This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, we'll be going deeper into the mysterious death of Taylor Gruwell in Dallas, Texas. If you haven't heard part one on Taylor's case, stop. Go back one episode and then meet me right back here. Last week, I left you with two words. Taylor fought. Taylor fought for her life. And in this episode, we'll go over Taylor's autopsy report. Let's get right to it. Gruwell was pronounced deceased at 11.36 p.m. on September 23, 2017. Her autopsy was performed on September 25th at 8 a.m. at the Southwestern Institute of Forensic Sciences at Dallas. At the time the autopsy is performed, Taylor has been identified through fingerprints. Photographs, fingerprints, and palm prints are taken. The items Taylor had in her possession as well as the clothing she was wearing at the time of her fall is also documented. A multicolored sweater, multicolored shirt, purple bra, brown sandals, two ear gauges, a black plastic choker, pen, and a copper-colored watch with a multicolored band. What is listed as the multicolored shirt is actually the sundress Taylor was wearing at the time of her fall. Her clothing is retained and sent to the Criminal Investigation Laboratory. All other possessions are released to Taylor's mother, including that watch that will forever be stuck on 11.06 p.m., the time Taylor's body made impact with the ground outside that exit gate and her family's lives were changed forever. Upon external examination, it is noted that there is well-developed, partially blanching, red-purple posterior lividity. Lividity is simply an unnatural color of the skin caused by blood pooling at the lowest point of the body due to gravity and loss of blood circulation. And posterior simply means it's on the back side of her body. It's important to understand that in Taylor's case, the autopsy wasn't performed until roughly 32 hours after she was pronounced deceased, so the lividity that is seen has nothing to do with her injuries and everything to do with the time it took for her autopsy to be performed. 
Why am I even pointing this out if it had nothing to do with Taylor's injuries? Because lividity in the body can mask injuries that otherwise could be seen very easily. The medical examiner's report states that Taylor's ears, nose, lips, and eyes are unremarkable, further stating that no petechia is present in either one of Taylor's eyes. There are no injuries noted to Taylor's teeth or the inside of her mouth. Her neck is also noted as unremarkable. I want you to remember that because it's going to be so very important later. Taylor's back is also noted as unremarkable. Her abdomen is slightly distended. Taylor bled internally and that is the reason for the distension. A trach tube is present and her hospital identification band is still on her left wrist. That trach tube. Taylor wasn't killed instantly on impact. She wasn't responsive when those bystanders came across her, but she was still alive. Signs of life were still present. The bystanders... EMS, and the professionals at Parkland Hospital performed life-saving measures. Unfortunately, the trauma Taylor sustained was just too much. The injuries Taylor Grewell sustained are extensive, and they are heartbreaking. Taylor sustained multiple blunt force injuries from the fall. The fifth level of that parking garage was approximately 50.57 feet above the ground. There was a one inch thick laceration on the midline of Taylor's forehead with a red abrasion surrounding it. Taylor appears to have sustained this injury from the fall. Side note, it's common when people hear the word laceration that they think cut. However, according to ForensicMed.com, a laceration is a tear or skin split caused by blunt force trauma. These wounds are easily distinguished from cuts caused by sharp force trauma, incised wounds, or even stab wounds. The main component to look for is tissue bridging, which in layman's terms simply means tissue stretches from one side of the wound to the other. It's not a clean straight wound. You're also going to hear the terms partial thickness and full thickness a lot during this episode. It's a way to describe wound depth. Skin is comprised of three main layers, epidermis, dermis, and subcutaneous tissue. A partial thickness laceration means that only the first two layers of skin are affected, in some cases just the epidermis, and in others both the epidermis and the dermis are affected. Full thickness is a deeper wound. A full thickness laceration would affect all three layers of the skin epidermis, dermis, subcutaneous tissue, and may involve muscle, bone, or tendon. There is a 7 8 inch partial thickness laceration with surrounding red abrasions on the left side of Taylor's chin. This wound is of particular interest for a couple different reasons. Number one, none of Taylor's teeth were broken, nor did she have any injuries noted anywhere to the inside of her mouth. If she had fallen 50 feet and the force of the impact was enough to cause a laceration of that size on the underside of her chin, you would expect to see injuries to her teeth or tongue, yet none of that is noted. With the large laceration on the midline of her forehead that seems consistent with the fall, how is there a laceration under her chin? She can't land on both at the same time. It just isn't possible. 
Could this be an injury she sustained from, say, a struggle on the fifth floor? There are no hemorrhages, skull fractures, and no injuries to Taylor's brain. We know Taylor's head didn't make impact first, or we would likely see all three. Taylor's neck is again noted as externally and internally unremarkable. There are no hemorrhages, and the hyoid bone and the laryngeal cartilages are intact. There are multiple scrape abrasions measuring up to one inch at the largest on and around Taylor's left armpit. A hexagonal pattern abrasion is over the abdomen. The hexagonal pattern matches the cobblestone driveway on the bottom floor of the iconic Ross Apartments near the exit gate where Taylor's body was found. The scrape abrasions on and around Taylor's left armpit do not match this pattern. These appear to be more like scratches. For instance, maybe a fingernail? The force of the fall and the position in which Taylor landed caused extensive internal injuries to her lungs, diaphragm, liver, spleen, and heart. Trauma is seen in both of Taylor's lungs. There's a hemorrhage in her left lung, which means there was extensive bleeding. A four centimeter laceration is noted on the lower part of the right lung. The right diaphragm has an area of hemorrhage measuring four centimeters. There are multiple injuries to Taylor's liver, several lacerations measuring up to 15 centimeters and a 1.8 centimeter contusion or bruise. There are multiple lacerations to the spleen measuring up to 9.0 centimeters. And Taylor's heart, her pericardial sac was lacerated. The pericardial sac surrounds the heart and serves many purposes, one of them being to protect your heart from blunt force trauma. The left ventricle of the heart had a 3.5 centimeter full thickness laceration and a 2.3 centimeter partial thickness laceration near the apex. The left atrium had a 1.5 centimeter full thickness laceration. It should be noted that the lungs, liver, and spleen are more easily lacerated. The heart is a big, strong muscle, and the amount of force required to lacerate the heart in just one place would be comparable to a high-speed car crash. Taylor's heart was lacerated in three different places. The second through fourth ribs on Taylor's right side are fractured posteriorly, as well as the left first and second rib. The hemorrhaging noted in Taylor's internal organ damage is associated with these fractures. The right pleural cavity contained 930 mLs of blood and the left contained 100 mLs. The pleural cavity is a space between the outside of the lungs and the inside of the chest wall. When blood starts to fill the pleural cavity, it's known as a hemothorax. Once the blood takes up all the space, your lungs can no longer expand properly. The amount of blood documented was severe enough to impair Taylor's ability to breathe. Hexagonal pattern abrasions, again, matching the pattern of the driveway, are documented on both of Taylor's thighs, right knee, and left leg. There is also a half-inch red abrasion on the right thigh and a half-inch partial thickness laceration on the left thigh. The right knee has multiple red abrasions measuring up to a half an inch. There are bilateral fractures of the femur or thigh bone. A two-inch abrasion is documented on the left knee and described as red and dry. The tops of both of Taylor's feet 
have red-purple contusions with superficial skin abrasions. Taylor's left arm has multiple parallel, superficial incised wounds or cuts, which are in different states of healing. These wounds appear to be self-inflicted and presumably have nothing to do with her death. It's actually listed in the other injury section of the report, which basically means the medical examiner found that this injury has nothing to do with what led to her death. They're noted here simply because they exist. And now we arrive at possibly some of the most critical and telling injuries Taylor Gruwell sustained on September 23rd, 2017. The injuries to her arms and hands. Taylor's arm sustained multiple fractures and lacerations. Her right arm has a two and a quarter inch full thickness laceration. Right humerus or upper arm bone has a compound fracture. And in case you're not familiar with a compound fracture, it is defined as a fracture in the bone that protrudes through the skin, resulting in an external wound. Her right wrist has a three and a half inch full thickness laceration as a result of multiple compound fractures to the radius and ulna or lower arm bones. Taylor's left wrist is also fractured. These injuries seem to be consistent with someone trying to brace for impact. The direction of the brakes are also consistent with trying to brace for a fall. And Taylor's hands made contact with the ground, palms down. The right palm has diffuse blue contusions. That's just a fancy way of saying it's bruised all over. And since Taylor's palms made contact with the ground, why are there injuries to the tops of her hands and knuckles? In the autopsy report, injuries are reported on the dorsal surface or the top side of Taylor's left hand. Red-purple contusions are noted over the knuckles with red dried abrasions over the second, third, and fifth knuckles, measuring up to a quarter of an inch. I've consulted with multiple professionals in the medical, law enforcement, and crime analyst fields, and after reviewing the photographs, autopsy report, surveillance, and other case file notes, we all reached the same conclusion. It is more likely than not that those injuries and bruising to Taylor's knuckles on her left hand are defensive wounds. The medical examiner lists Taylor Gruel's cause of death as a result of blunt force injuries due to multiple contusions, lacerations, and abrasions on the chest, abdomen, bilateral arms and legs, lacerations of the left ventricle and left atrium of the heart, lacerations and hemorrhage of the lungs, multiple lacerations of the liver, multiple lacerations of the spleen, fractures of the ribs on right, and left, femurs, right humerus, and wrists, and a hemothorax in both of her lungs. It's also noted in the findings that Taylor was found outside of a parking garage with multiple blunt force injuries, that she had a reported history of anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder, but no reported history of suicidal ideation or previous suicide attempts. I was provided detailed notes by Taylor's father from the rehab center in which Taylor left from. Not one time in the notes, and they are extensive, does Taylor ever report feeling suicidal or even having suicidal ideations. 
It's also not noted by anyone at the facility. In the Emmy's conclusion, it states, and I quote, Based on the case history and autopsy findings, it is our opinion that Taylor Nicole Gruel, a 26-year-old white female, died as a result of blunt force injuries. The manner of death is best classified as undetermined. The decedent was known by surveillance video to drive to the top floor of a five-story parking garage with a male who drove back down without her. Her body was later found on the ground below the parking garage by a passerby. It is unclear if the decedent jumped from the top of the parking garage or if she was pushed. She has a reported history of anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder. However, there is no reported history of suicidal ideation or previous suicide attempts. If additional information becomes available, the manner of death can be amended. That last sentence is huge. It leaves the door wide open for Taylor's manner of death to be changed at any time, pending further investigation. It's been three and a half years. How much longer before this investigation is complete? How much longer does the family of the victim have to do your job, Dallas Police Department? I mean, they're still investigating. Are you? And while the medical examiner couldn't reach a conclusion, I've reached out, as I said before, and I've consulted with multiple professionals in both the law enforcement and medical field. We've gone over mountains of evidence in this case. And what seems to be the consensus? That the death of Taylor Gruel does not appear to be a suicide. And what were the main points that led them to their conclusions? The wounds on Taylor's left hand. It is highly unlikely that she sustained these wounds due to a fall. They appear to be defensive wounds. There are other wounds on Taylor's body that just don't make sense with a jump or a fall. And you've only heard about half of it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Taylor fought and she put up one hell of a fight. The fact that the two drive up to the fifth floor of the parking garage and only one comes down and the 911 call is not placed by William Cody Marley. The injuries on William Cody Marley when he was arrested on the morning of 9-26-17. Just to recap, according to police reports, when Cody is arrested, passed out drunk in his car, he has several injuries. A bruise over his right eye and an injury to the corner of his right eye. A bump on his head just to the right of the midline of his forehead. Several deep abrasions to his right knee. A deep scratch on his left elbow. Redness and minor abrasions on the knuckles of his right hand. And what appears to be a deep scratch and several minor scratch marks on his left lower back. These injuries appear to be in the very early stages of healing. The bruises are a purple color. As we all know, a bruise changes color several times during the healing process. According to Medical News Today, a bruise often starts out as red because fresh, oxygen-rich blood has newly pulled underneath the skin. Around one to two days, the blood begins to lose oxygen and change color. At this state, the bruise will appear blue, purple, or even black. It stays in this purpley black blue stage until around five to 10 days when it will start to appear yellow or green in color. Interesting fact, the yellow color comes from bilirubin, which the body produces when it breaks down the blood. After 10 to 14 days, it will turn to a shade of yellowish brown or light brown. 
bruises usually completely vanish within about two weeks. The abrasions to Cody's knee are starting to scab over, and while there's no definitive answer on exactly when scabs begin to form because there are so many factors involved, you've had a scab before, you know, it generally only takes a couple of days, or at least that's been my experience. The purplish color of the bruises on Cody's face are consistent with the healing time anywhere from two to five days, and the abrasions on the knee are consistent with just being a few days old. That would make it entirely possible that those injuries could have occurred on September 23rd, 2017. I would also like to note here that when Cody is arrested on September 26th, he's wearing the same black and white love it, kill it t-shirt as he is seen on surveillance wearing on September 23rd, 2017, when he drives Taylor up to that fifth floor and returns without her. And he's looking kind of rough. Looks like old Cody's been through some shit during those couple of days. Definitely appears he's been in an altercation of some sort. Taylor has what appears to be defensive wounds on her hands. Cody has wounds on his body that are consistent with being in a fight. The wounds on Taylor's knuckles are on her left hand. The injuries to Marley are on his right side. That would be consistent with an altercation occurring with two people facing each other. You would expect to see injuries on opposing sides. I'm not saying that Taylor and Cody got into an altercation on the fifth floor, but I'm not not saying it either. I'm also not saying the Dallas Police Department has drugged their feet for the past three and a half years and made countless promises to this family and then not delivered. The ball has been dropped on multiple occasions when it comes to Taylor's case. Case in point, Taylor's injuries. There are injuries documented by Parkland Hospital that are not listed in the autopsy report we just went over. And we went over every single injury documented by the medical examiner. There are multiple injuries that can be seen with the naked eye in the crime scene photos taken of Taylor's body at the hospital by the Dallas Police Department that are also not documented in the autopsy report. Police have made contact with William Cody Marley on multiple occasions, all while Marley had active warrants for a parole violation, yet he was not taken into custody. That's weird, right? There's also a mishandled crime scene, witnesses that have yet to be questioned by Detective Cheney of the Dallas Police Department, and a whole host of things that we can't even begin to get into today. But I always like to leave you with a little something. Today, I'll leave you with two little somethings. In an initial assessment by the medical professionals at Parkland Memorial Hospital, there is a four-line note that could change everything. And I quote, The complainant had a gash on the lower forehead just above the left eye, bruising and redness about the neck area. The other obvious signs of trauma were a broken upper right arm bone protruding from the skin and her feet. But remember, according to the autopsy report, her neck was unremarkable. These doctors and nurses are seeing Taylor immediately after she is taken by ambulance to the emergency room. They are seeing her before any major postmortem changes begin to take place. And they note redness and bruising about the neck. 
This is confirmed by those crime scene photos, which we will dig deep into on the next episode. Statements have been made that would give good reason as to why Taylor Gruwell would have redness and bruising about her neck. And the fact that despite all the evidence, this investigation seems to have hit a stalemate. Three and a half years. Taylor's family has waited three and a half years. That makes me mad. No, it makes me big mad. When I reached out to my girl, Heather Ashley, she was big mad too. And so we decided a collaboration was in order immediately. Next Thursday, the gorgeous and talented Heather Ashley from Big Mad True Crime will be right here and we'll tackle this one together. And when we get together, shit gets done. This is an episode you're not gonna wanna miss. I am so excited to get the opportunity to collaborate with one of the best in the business. And I know that Big Mad response is coming and Taylor's family so desperately needs it. If you have any information on the suspicious death of Taylor Nicole Gruwell, please contact the Dallas Police Department, Detective Cheney at 214-671-3650. It's beyond time to do the right thing. A special shout out to Taylor's dad, Rich, for allowing me to cover her case and opening up about your beautiful girl. Needless to say, I'll be on this case for the long haul. You can head on over to my Facebook page, at least of these, for links, photos, and more information on Taylor's case. You can also follow me on Instagram, at least, underscore of these. And I could never forget that shout out to Joe Amaro Perez at Sickly Tower Music for that amazing original theme song. Episodes drop every Thursday. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for caring. If you know something, say something. Until next time, be good to each other.